More than half of all companies globally are family-owned or operated. Family businesses contribute 70% of the world's GDP and account for 65% of jobs. Their voices are important. Their stories must be told. Brought to you by the award-winning publication, Tharavat Magazine. This is the Family Business Voice with your host, Ramya Elagami. Collaborating to create prosperity. For the Oromo people of Ethiopia, coffee is more than just a drink. It is a way of life. Not only is farming coffee one of their principal industries, but drinking coffee occupies a singular place in Oromo's social interactions, marriage ceremonies, and religious occasions. For generations, millions of Oromo have depended on coffee for their income. And thanks to the Oromia Coffee Farmers Cooperative Union, they now see an appropriate share of the profits from a global market that depends on their labor and expertise. To say that Tadese Mesquela, founder and now retired general manager of Oromia Coffee Farmers Cooperative Union, is deeply passionate about cooperation is an understatement. Not only is he an unofficial authority on the subject, but his track record also proves the model's potential to create healthier societies. Since its inception in 2000, the Oromia Coffee Farmers Cooperative Union has taken the lead on countless community-building initiatives. Now Oromo people in coffee-growing regions have better access to clean water, education and healthcare than ever before. We sat down with Tedesa Mesquela to discuss his experiences with cooperation, its positive impact on Oromo communities, and how the Oromo coffee farmer's journey serves as an excellent model for others around the world to create prosperity in life and business. Enjoy this episode with Tedesa. I think for us to be educated by you, I think would be a very big privilege, Tedesa. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about the history of the Oromo people first and tell us like, you know, what, what we should know before we can even begin to understand how it is that you are doing business today. Yeah, the Oromo people are the 40% of the top from 100 million Ethiopian peoples. The Oromos are over 40% of mm. the total population residing in the central part, the western the eastern and the southern part of the country, and they rely on mixed farming, and it is one of the fertile lands of the country, is mm-hmm. this Oromia region. We grow coffee, we rear cattle, we do have a grain called tev, wheat, barley, and the different agricultural produces. Mm-hmm. And uh, the elevation on which the Oromos are living ranges from maybe 1,000 in the lowland areas up from about 1,400 out to 2,500 meters above sea level. We are okay. all spread out in all these elevations. Mm. So the living condition varies uh, because of the elevation, the altitude. And it is one of the richest in resources also, like gold. The biggest gold mining center is in this region. Mm. The export of 75% of the coffee is from this region. Mm -hmm. 
And also the majority of the cattle population is from this region. Mm. So this region is the biggest in uh, in Ethiopia. And also uh, very rich, the soil is very fertile. And most of the soil we live on is fertile. Mm. And almost more than 85% of our people live on farming. Mm-hmm. What I used to see from my childhood is that the life of farmers is not improving. It is not because of their laziness. It is because of the marketing issues. They sell their produce during the harvest for a very cheaper price to the traders. So there is no change in the life of the farmer. So after I went to school and studied agriculture and economics, I started working for the Ministry of Agriculture, uh, working as a farm management expert and also as an agricultural extension expert and also a cooperative promoter and expert. And finally, I got a chance in 1994 to go to Japan to study about the agricultural cooperatives in Japan, the model how. You know, Japanese have the, one of the strongest cooperatives in the world it is in Japan and in the US. All the agricultural farmers are organized in cooperatives. And these small cooperatives are their own apex organizations like cooperative unions. And these unions are the ones which are assembling the product in the market the produce so different regions in Japan, you know, that it's very in the urban areas. So I brought that model to my country. And finally we started one great marketing cooperatives nearby my birthplace. What kind of resistance did you face, you know, when setting up these cooperatives? Because I'm sure, of course, you cut into business for a lot of people, right? Like, so what what were the biggest challenges for all of you to put these things into place to make things more fair? Like, tell us a little bit about that journey. The resistance, the resistance we go to was from the coffee collectors. Mm -hmm. Coffee exporters were not happy for what we were doing because they were the ones who used to the highest amount of profit from the farmer's produce. Mm-hmm. So when I started these cooperatives, and uh, for the first time when I went to the U.S. in 2000 to display the coffee of the farmers on uh, exhibitions in the United States of the Specialty Coffee Association of America, mm-hmm. there was a lot of resistance from the coffee exporters. They used to say, you don't have to display your coffee with association's coffee, and that this is not uh, fair because you are making us not to get the good coffee which is produced or collected by the cooperatives at the grassroots level, which mm. we used to buy. So there was a lot of pressures, and they, they have done a lot to politicize it, mm. as it is against the government, you know? Mm. 
And for the people that you were empowering with this, right? Like, so the farmers, for them, of course, this was a new era that you started, really. This was a totally new kind of uh, dignity that you restored to their business. So tell us a little bit about the reaction on that side. Like, what did you see changing in your community and in the Oromo businesses around you? Like, did you see a reaction? Did you see that were they able to start innovating uh, in their businesses when they have more margin? Tell us a little bit about that effect. There were only 34,000, 22,600 members called member farmers. Mm-hmm. You know, the day they started this, they, they agreed to do this. What they used to say was, even if we need to sell for a cheaper price, the idea brought by these people is good. You mm-hmm. know, by the is good. So even if we don't get a reasonable amount of money, it is better for us to have our own cooperative union to market our coffee and get whatever is possible. But mm-hmm. just a year after, after participating on the specialty coffee convention in the U.S., we support from USAID, ACDI Walker. ACDI Walker stands for Agriculture Cooperative Development International. Mm-hmm. We got the support from them. They paid our ticket and also our accommodation. And they went to the U.S. and we displayed the coffee. And they, a year after, we entered into the market. And mm-hmm. we also studied what the market demands. Mm-hmm. The market is demanding organic product. The market is demanding fair trade product because the consumers, the roasters know that these people have to be paid a fair price, you know. So in 2002, I got a registration on fair trade and also organic. Mm. And these are helping me to get a better price for their coffee. Right. So this is the start of the farmer's life. It has, has got improvement, you know. We mm-hmm. started working on clean water supply in the village, mm. from the fair trade payment, from the mm. coffee. And we also get support in building elementary schools in the village. You know, we also started working on a great meal, great meal, millers in the village, which is mm. the corporate, which enables the woman not to go far place for to feed water and also to meal their grains. Can you tell us a little bit more about what is currently the biggest sort of outside factor that has an influence on the industry for you and how? Are you responding? Like, are you are you all having thinking of strategies to deal with these things? What is the most important problem that you're facing short term in the coffee industry in Ethiopia right now? The first thing is, uh, you know, what we face on the coffee industry is the pricing. Mm. The price of coffee internationally, even if you are selling for the fair trade price or organic or specialty coffee. All is determined based on the New York Sea market, international, mm. which is determining the international uh, price for coffee. Mm. So this price, this price is not going along with the cost of living. Mm. The cost of living has gone up. Mm. Cost of food, to buy food is, these days is more than 300% more than Buying food 10 years back. Yeah. Wow. So the cost of living is going up. The cost of clothes, shoes, 
every commodity has gone up. While the price of coffee is still determined as mm-hmm. New York City based on demand and supply. Mm-hmm. This has affected the farmer a lot, and it is really a very, a very sad thing that many farmers, especially in areas where we have a very good infrastructure, mm-hmm. people people are going uprooting coffee and changing to cut, you know, cut, chat, which is a chewed. It's a stimulant like uh, what you call coca. They choose mm-hmm. a lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they change it to cut. And also some of the farmers are changing to vegetables, vegetables, the fruits. So it's a big threat for the coffee. If the price is going to continue in New York, based mm-hmm. on demand and supply, the price today is about $1.10. $1.10. Ten years back, it is also the same. Mm-hmm. But you know, mm-hmm. so the price has to go with the commodity prices. You know, yeah, so yeah. Go up, the commodity prices for which is required a basic requirement for human being goes up. The price of coffee it has also to go up. Go up, yeah. The other thing is the climate change. Mm-hmm. Climate change is the biggest uh, worry for us. Uh, in the coffee areas, it used to rain three times before. Before the coffee harvest, coffee has to flower three times. Mm. But nowadays, there is only one flowering or two flowering because of shortage of rain. Mm. This is making the productivity very low. And also, erratic, the rain is erratic. It is not coming the time. Farmers are in need of in need of the rain. Mm. This erratic rain is also because of climate change. Mm. The other thing is also, you know, the government has tried to construct schools in every village. So these kids who are finishing grade ten or grade twelve, they don't have the opportunity to get a job in the urban mm. areas. And they also don't want to stay on the farm because mm. once they go to school, they assume that when they finish high school, they want to leave the country looking yeah. for better life, you know. Mm. These issues are also very, very seriously, it has to be considered that there's mm. a lot of migration mm. and also unemployment. Mm. Unemployment and the migration is also the biggest issue in the region as well as in the country as a whole. So you have quite large challenges to tackle, right? But you're doing it with so much uh, purpose and, and it seems very purpose-driven what you've done so far and still you continue with purpose. Is there a connection here between, like, you know, how the, the Oromo people, the values that you have as a community and the way that you do business? I'm assuming that you must have a very close connection to the earth and to the planet because of all the agricultural activity. Can you tell us maybe a little bit more, do you feel like in terms of how you practice sustainability, is there something that you feel the Oromo people can teach the rest of the world that, you know, they should learn from in the way that you treat, you know, the planet and that you treat the the way that you like grow your produce and your coffee? Yes. Uh, what I can say is, you know, the corporate is coming together. The only way you can get corporate to come together 
to teach them about social and economic condition is through bringing together two cooperatives. Mm-hmm. So by talking about the social issues, the economic issues that they found a way that cooperative is the crucial thing mm-hmm. and assembling their product to market is also a better thing to get mm-hmm. a better deal. So mm-hmm. these are being extended to the other regions in the country, the Amara mm-hmm. region, the southern region, all the regions in Ethiopia are are organized in cooperatives. And today, we do have more than 90,000 cooperatives and about 21 million households wow. coming together in cooperatives. Wow. This has created a very good thing for farmers to know uh, just how to tackle their life, you know, mm-hmm. to come to cooperatives, to market their produce, uh, to improve quality, to solve their social conditions, like clean water supply, health conditions, and the different things. So this has been disseminated to neighboring regions in Ethiopia, and the government has taken also as a crucial way to solve uh, the problems in the country. Since we are an agriculturalist country, mm-hmm. all the people in the country has to be organized in cooperatives. And Tadessa, tell us about yourself. So like you've done, this has been your whole career has been dedicated to improving the conditions uh, for for the businesses around you. You yourself, what are your intentions for the near future? Is your family working with you as well? Are your uh, children involved in your business? And and what is like, what is the plan for the next few years? What is What are your big objectives and your big goals? At this time, I retired from uh, working with the Coromia Coffee Farmers Cooperative five years okay. back. But I still, I still support them in advising, in advising them what to do, and also I am, yeah, I am trying to work on a coffee now with a group of people. We are trying on coffee. We have a coffee farm with them. I am just trying to advise them to have uh, fair trade, mm. you know, fair trade helps workers also. There's a farmers around. Mm. And we are trying to make it their farm organic so that they can get a better deal. So I still work on coffee, but I also, since I'm from a farmer's family, mm. and the cooperative I formed, especially the Romeo Coffee Farmers Cooperative Union, is my baby. <laughs> I started it from scratch yeah. until it reaches uh, a capital of about one billion number, which is 50 million US dollars. So mm. whatever. Whatever thing they require from me, I'm here for them to just advise them on what they do. The other thing is, I always motivate and visit the cooperatives around. I live in the capital city, and my birthplace is about uh, 35 kilometers from Addis Ababa. I also visit cooperatives on my way when I go to the Rift Valley in the coffee areas. Mm. So it is in my blood, our cooperatives. Cooperatives is the way out, the way out. You know, if you go to the history of the American cooperatives, and Japanese cooperatives, and also Europe, people solve their problems by coming together. Mm. If farmers, not only farmers, even consumers in the world. We do have a lot of consumer cooperatives in Addis Ababa, mm. which are giving a very good pricing for the 
produce which they buy from the grain marketing cooperatives outside of Addis and they bring to the member consumers, mm. and they are, they are bringing for a fair price to their members. So mm. cooperative formation is the only way out mm. for countries like Ethiopia, where the majority of the people are living on agriculture. What a beautiful message to give us today, especially the togetherness is the solution to all our problems. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and for doing everything that you've done. It's so inspiring. Thank you for listening to the Family Business Voice. Subscribe to our channels now on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher or Spotify to be notified of our weekly episodes.